0: This is the John Favreau's "My Daddy" podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. Oh no! <laughs> Monica's feeling a bit
1: um, Under nauseous the this morning. My tum. <laughs> it's my tum. It's all. It's all the tummy. It has nothing to do with her daddy today, who I am a big fan of. I promise that's not the reason why. He makes Monica
0: vomit. We're
1: so sorry. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is one of Monica's faves. My fave fave. Besides John. Um, Well, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, he's not in your top three, but you did say that he's the daddy that you, like, secretly find uh, attractive. attractive, Yes, yes, yes. For sure.
1: I love his little face. I love... His arms, how they stick out of his body. (laughs) (laughs) I love his arms.
0: Uh, Boys, if any of you look like
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gary, my number is 818.
0: (laughs) Monica is married, but there is room for more. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron.
1: <laughs> you know the, the first time I, I heard of a throuple, yeah, uh, was in the Netflix series The Politician. <laughs> oh my by god, Ryan
0: that's the first time you heard of a throuple. Yes,
1: yeah, I never heard of it before then. Had you heard of like polyamory before though? Absolutely, but oh, okay. I never heard of specifically like the term, the phrase throuple, throuple, and yeah. what it meant, and like sure. that it was a real thing. I didn't think that. that first of all, I, <laughs> I don't think that that's real. I mean, it does technically
0: exist. Yes. I don't know the truth behind everyone's feelings because I, I'm a very jealous person. I would find it hard to believe that three people can agree that they all equally love each other, but you know,
1: whatever. I don't judge, man. I just mean in terms of like the television show, the, if you're in a thruple email us, (laughs)
0: I'd love to know more. I'm just so curious. Yeah, I really just, I just, let's just like dig
1: in there. Let's, let's dig get in. in. Let's get into your psyche. Let's get saucy. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's dip our toes into the <laughs> sauce, you know? Yeah, I know mm. what you mean. <laughs> How have you been, Monica? I've been good. Besides thinking about throuples, I mean. And th- throwing up. And throwing up. Don't, this is not talk about, <laughs> <laughs> about that right now. Yeah. Uh, I've been good. Things have been happening. Lots of stuff. I will say I have a good dabble today okay
0: well we'll get there at the end of the episode exactly
1: <laughs> so if, if
0: that's what you came here for to find out what the fuck monica's been doing
1: then you gotta the, wait till the end you gotta you can you can't even skip i'm not even gonna give you the satisfaction mm. of giving you the time code or the timestamp. Oh. you just to listen to the whole <laughs> fucking thing okay well how good. are you yes oh just fine
0: nothing nothing to report jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) i'm very sleepy my cat's been keeping me awake a lot but mona you know we uh, so she she gets the zoomies like really bad jesus um like, Is that m- like the runs? No. <laughs> you know how like dogs will just Have the runs, start like sprinting? Oh. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> and they call them the zoomies and she does the same thing where like at random times of the day, all of a sudden she'll get like a huge burst of energy and go fucking nuts and just like run circles around and jump off of furniture. I- I'm c- from talking to other people with cats who've raised them from kittens. I'm coming to understand that my cat has Probably like an exceptionally large amount of energy because they're like, I mean, yeah, my kitten like ran around a lot but Mona's literally like she looks like she's doing parkour in my oh my God like she'll run and like latch onto my curtains and then jump like five feet in the air.
1: <laughs> That's she's crazy. Fucking,
0: she's fucking nuts and sometimes it happens in the middle of the night so that has been not great <laughs>
1: zero out of ten but i
0: can't shut her out of my room because otherwise she starts meowing like crazy and
1: i have a roommate mrow, mrow, mrow. Mrow, mrow, mrow. if it sounded like that mrow, i could sleep mrow, through it mrow. Mrow. but it's, it's a lot worse mrow, mrow, mrow. <laughs> mrow. okay Ma- monica <laughs> <laughs> Meow monica mrow. Sing, our,
0: sing our theme song but in meows
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our daddy today is an international daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't there a song that's called like okay. international like woman or something like that? I have no idea. I don't know. Or no. there's like a song that talks about like international women? I are you thinking of the song American Woman? No. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's just let's get into it. Get into it. <clears throat> Guillermo del Toro is one of the most talented, exciting and significant daddies working today. He is a Mexican filmmaker, author, actor and formal special effects makeup artist, which I did not know. By I didn't the way. know that
0: either, but like that's and pretty that makes fucking sense. dope. It makes sense why he is so anti like cgi for his monsters yeah
1: no he wants all practical all day which i love i love all practical all day all day all day all day all day day. okay (laughs) Uh, Del Toro spent almost 10 years as a makeup supervisor and formed his own company in the early 1980s. He's also a prolific producer. His producing works include acclaimed and successful films such as The Orphanage, Los Ojos de Julia, and the acclaimed Kung Fu Panda 2. (laughs) We love a versatile Virgil. Hell yeah. He's also an Academy (laughs) Award winner,
0: which we should probably add in there.
1: Probably he's one He's one a few. He's one a few ask Something like that. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I think we just wanted to focus on his makeup background. I think it really bleeds very well. Yeah. Into so his we're films. not discussing any of his films. <laughs> we're just discussing various makeup looks. I know. That Guillermo has completed <laughs> his looks. Sometimes I I lie awake at night and think about maybe him like having a YouTube channel that's like a makeup YouTube channel. Like, can you imagine Guillermo as like a guru, like a makeup guru? I. I would die hola sisters welcome to my channel he ends <laughs> up having like a fucking color pop collab oh my god <laughs> ColourPop ex Guillermo <laughs> the colors are like swamp <laughs> and like the labyrinth and it's like the labyrinth is a stone gray <laughs> oh, one of them is just egg <laughs> the fawn <laughs> oh man uh, red crimson peak play <laughs> incest <laughs> oh but anyway that shit's good guillermo this is us telling you to start your youtube channel you're missing out on millions dog millions millions you could have a house in studio city too that's only (laughs) black and white nothing else no other color oh my god Uh, the shade i know i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't forget to hire mr kate as your designer <laughs> what's our first movie Monica? incredible i'm very excited to announce our first movie which i did not know that the fawn was named pan and i was very confused as to why it was called pan's labyrinth
0: i mean i don't really know if they officially say in the film that his name is pan do we know if his name is pan I that, that truly is like the only thing i could think of because, because then, his then what the fuck
1: Then what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like the Spanish one is like the labyrinth of the fawn. That makes sense. Why didn't
0: we just call it the fawn's labyrinth? It
1: doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Who is Pam? Who is (laughs) Pam? Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, Pan's Labyrinth came out in 2006, written and directed by Guillermo del Toro, obviously. In 1944 Spain, a girl named Ofelia, played by Ivana Baquero, fascinated with fairy tales, is sent along with her pregnant mother to live with her new stepfather, a ruthless capitán of the Spanish army. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. During the night, she meets a fairy who takes her to an old fun, played by Doug Jones, Voiced by Pablo Adan, but originally <laughs> voiced by Doug Jones. Yeah, poor little baby. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> didn't have a didn't have a rough enough voice. <laughs> hey, Ophelia. El Fauno. El Fauno In the center of the labyrinth. He tells her she's a princess, but must prove her royalty by surviving three gruesome tusks. If she fails, she will never prove herself to be the true princess and will never see her real father, the king, Again, holy shit! Holy the shit! The stakes are high, high stakes, high, high high, stakes. high, high, high stakes. Not to
0: mention, there's a fucking war. literally Flapjacks to the fucking ceiling backyard. stakes.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> so, okay, I was telling you this earlier. Yeah, I don't like war movies, no. and I don't like fantasy movies. Okay, well, that's
0: what like Guillermo loves. That he loves yes. politics
1: and he loves fantasy. Yes. So. so what I'm saying is, it works so well in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think. You know, the war backdrop with like all of the fantasy elements like that works so well. I mm-hmm. think that they they honestly go like hand in hand. I could not imagine this movie without one or the other. Like it couldn't it wouldn't be the same. I don't think it would be as captivating if it was not just like
0: a girl with a normal life who happens like one day a fawn contacts her. Like that's not cool. hello. <laughs> Is this <Ophelia? laughs> um I've tried several houses up until now. <laughs>
1: it is me the fun <laughs> pan
0: <laughs> um, but yes monica i completely agree with you i don't think it would be as good i think the stakes needed to be that high and i think she needed to have like that evil stepfather who was like evil for a reason so evil rather than, and even like i mean okay like gratuitous violence is not a reason but what mm-hmm. i mean by having a reason is that like he's a war captain like an army captain
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know torture is part of the bag unfortunately that unfortunately yeah. um so like he needs to legal. have like justified
1: means in quotes
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know e-
1: evil within yeah, justified him. evil uh <laughs> this movie this movie fucked me up I'd never as much of a fan as I am of Guillermo I've seen almost all of his other films this was the one film that I have not seen Mm -hmm. I've even seen his like other Spanish films like The Devil's Backbone and I've yes yes I have and I've seen Kung Fu Panda 2 liked it it was fine didn't like it as much as the first one it was a valiant effort would we call that his movie he produced it okay well that doesn't mean anything you know what I mean (laughs) uh no, I, I like I said, I don't I also just don't understand war movies like in the sense like in the logistical sense. It's not that I, mm-hmm. I don't understand them like as an art form sure. or like as a genre. I get that. I don't understand like the logistics of war.
0: <laughs> sure. I, I don't know enough about it or like this war in particular that they're fighting exactly to be like oh so that's why this is happening yeah
1: Uh, or to like uh, fully understand people's intentions exactly so like a lot of the film any like scenes in the film that involved any sort of like tactics or Mm -hmm. like wars things war things i did not really 100 percent jump on board with sure in terms of the logic train
0: well i think for this movie obviously there is an added level of like understanding if you do know exactly what is going on in that in that mm-hmm, area mm-hmm. of the plot but i think the point the the general point is just there is a war happening period there it's are a civil war there are rebels and mm-hmm. then there are like the other ones the establishment <laughs> yeah and she her stepfather is part of the establishment um but like
1: like in Star Wars.
0: Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, there's the Rebels and the other ones. <laughs> I don't know enough about Star Wars. I'm so sorry. The
1: Imperial Army!
0: <laughs> but, uh, so I think you're just supposed to understand, yeah. like, within this war, there are two sides. Her stepfather is a big part of it. The end, she, you know, is part of this fairy tale world. I think mm-hmm. it m- more so is just, like, a backdrop, for our purposes, at least.
1: Yeah, Um. <laughs> I think this movie... After watching it and having three minutes to (laughs) mull it (laughs) over, Monica literally
0: just finished watching this movie. Uh,
1: My initial thoughts are like, this movie is a lot. Like, this movie centers around, like, choices Mm -hmm. and, like, how choices impact other people or other things or your destiny. Like, I think it grapples a lot with specifically choice and destiny. Yeah. Uh, And I think Ophelia is a really good... She's a very good <laughs> protagonist in the sense that, like, I, she's a child, so you're angry with her for doing the dumb thing. Sure. Uh, in a very different way than if she was a full-grown, like, adult person. Yeah, you
0: like under you understand her a little bit
1: more. Absolutely. Like, um, I remember I was really upset in the scene where she was like eating the grapes, the fucking grapes, uh, with the pale man. Yeah. <laughs> she exactly. was like, well, "Let me have, just let me have a snack." But he's fine. He doesn't have eyes. He doesn't see me. But his eyes are in his hands, bitch. They're in his hands. Well, the thing is, is she walks up to
0: him and picks up the plate with, with his eyes. eyes. I'm like, why wouldn't you just like take his eyes? I would take his eyes.
1: I'd just steal his fucking eyes. I'd like, I'd skew room. Yeah. Put him on Throw a grill. Throw
0: him in the fire. Yep. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Kebab. <laughs> <laughs> pale man defeated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ophelia one, pale man Zero. <laughs> uh no i mean i just and and you get angry with her then you have to remind yourself as an as the viewer mm-hmm. she's a child sure none of this should a none of this should be happening to her by herself in, in you know in regards to like re quote unquote the real world not yeah. necessarily the fantasy world because in the fantasy world she has to fulfill this sort of like destiny right like this sort of prophecy mm-hmm. um in the real world her life sucks booty hole like her <laughs> life sucks ass i yeah, no, it really fucking sucks um, and still, yet I find I found myself getting upset with her for making like dumb choices. Sure. I mean, but I think
0: that just comes from a point of like, we're aware of the danger that and she isn't. Precisely. Um, that's just a matter of the audience knowing more than her in those moments, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I think a really common thing in Guillermo's movies, which is an interesting point of view to me, is that they're all about like sort of like innocent people in a lot of ways even if they're adults who, mm. you know, have flaws, etc., they have an element of like purity and innocence to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they have been dealt like a pretty shitty set of cards mm-hmm. and then are forced to take on a uh, really big
1: responsibilities or like impossible tasks.
0: Exactly. Um, and, but like, they all have this like fantastical element to them, which is where I think you get to see, just like inside Guillermo's child brain, which is always like so fascinating (laughs) to me Where because you can so tell that he has these two sides to himself where he's hyper aware of like the real world and what's going on and all the bad shit out there, but he still loves fantasy and storytelling and how do you put those two together and have one honor the other? And I think he's figured out how to do that perfectly in, in his movies. And this was, I think, the first one that, Came to the U.S. at least and showed everyone here, like, oh, what this he is, what do. this man is about.
1: Mm-hmm. um I, I have always loved, like, you to piggyback off of what you said. <laughs> yeah uh i've always loved the fantastical elements of his films despite the fact that like i'm not a fantasy like movie watcher sure but i will watch any of his films i think that what he does is so special because he takes these fantasy films that i don't like and he turns them into something that i do like because he injects like the real world into them yeah he injects all of these like awful terrible fantastic amazing things about living in the world that we live in yeah and injects them into a fantastical story. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really the only kind of fantasy film I want to watch just because I don't like having the backdrop that it had with, 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 war, with war and like the Spanish, a Spanish civil war. Cause there was another Spanish civil war. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this it. is just like part of world war two.
0: Mm-hmm. It's what was happening in Spain during world war II
1: But like, despite not know, I don't fucking know. Despite not knowing <laughs> any of this, it was very interesting to, to find myself being like drawn to the story despite all of it. Yeah. And, and because of all of it. Mm-hmm. So I think, that he, like only he can do this, I think. i i I cannot think of a single other filmmaker who has mastered this craft, who has who has mastered the ability to marry these two big things, the mm-hmm. real world and the fantasy world in this way,
0: yeah, well, I mean, it also helps a lot that, like he doesn't for a lot of like the fantastical effects and like the monsters, et cetera he uses like very little CGI or as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like all done practically with Mm -hmm. fucking Doug Jones and all those costumes. (laughs) (laughs) And to make, to make those monsters like real and tangible that an actor can actually work with is really, really interesting. Not just from like a filmmaking perspective, but it makes the story that much more real for everyone because you can Mm -hmm. literally reach out and touch the thing that you think is not real. Yeah um so as i mean that would be fucking great to work with as an actor I
1: mean, you know can you imagine like seeing the actual like puppets the actual no makeup, that's like,
0: insane to, right to like be able to work with that to like bring that much reality to the story that's crazy
1: most actors nowadays have to like <laughs> act to a green man <laughs> yeah exactly with balls on his but face it, it
0: shows that like to guillermo like fantasy is very much based in reality and like mm-hmm. a lot
1: of it's tangible
0: in a lot of ways and for him his stories and the idea of like fairy tales aren't just you know silly stories that you read in books mm-hmm. they can be found in real life in different ways obviously in real real life not mm-hmm. that literally but i think it, especially in in pan's labyrinth where everything all the fantasy is happening like underground for the most part mm-hmm. It gives you this idea of like there are two very distinct worlds, but each world is very very real. Yes, um, in its own right, and together they also form like
1: a real Their world? Own thing. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's very I strange. Totally, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, I think that something that sort of blew me away was the fact that when we got to like the like when we got to P- Pan's labyrinth. <laughs> yes. When we got to the Fawn's labyrinth. Uh, it didn't feel that much different no. from the world up there. Mm-mm. It didn't feel that much different. The only real differences was it felt older. It felt uh, you know, more ancient. it felt it felt very like obviously, like the presence of the place changed. and obviously, and a, like, and a fawn <laughs> and a fucking fawn appeared uh, <laughs> and like, and like pieces of the set like yeah. were changed, and it's a it's a new set. Mm-hmm. I just think, like specifically, I love that it doesn't feel that much different. Like you, I think too. No shade to these films, but I think about like, I don't know. Like I think about like Alice in Wonderland, like sure. the, the really recent adaptation, like live action adaptation of it with Mia. What's her face? What's her face? What's her face? Mia Wasikowska. Yes. <laughs> well, I think is in Crimson Peak. Yes, she, she is. plays the one. <laughs> I confuse her with every other blonde actress in Hollywood. You know, that's fair. <laughs> Um, I think about like Alice in Wonderland or like any of the like new C like fully CGI mm-hmm. uh li- like live action uh Disney Quote films. Unquote, yeah. And I think about the fact that like when we're in the real world, it feels like the real world and then we get thrust into like Candyland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels so stark and it feels not real. Like it definitely doesn't feel real in the mm-hmm. sense in the sense that Pan's Labyrinth like makes pan's labyrinth feel real yeah
0: like it's just another part of the real world that a lot of these adults don't notice or like they don't know about yeah um so and then i mean with the ending which you know spoiler (laughs) alert um ophelia gets shot and she dies and then she she gets shot
1: by the captain by the captain
0: yeah and she dies and then but like her blood her the blood of the innocent because she sacrificed herself for the innocent, you know, Um, that's what makes her be able to be like immortalized and go live with her real like fairy king family. Mm -hmm. But like, even then at the end of the movie, you think like, okay, Guillermo, like he loves fantasy. This is a fairy tale. Okay, cool. She actually does die, but goes to like live with the fairies. Right. But then it takes you back to the real world and you're left sitting there going like, okay, like, Was this just real for her? Is she actually dead in real life? I don't know. So even in the end, even at like peak tragic times, he's still going like there is an intertwining nature of fantasy and reality that even I like don't know
1: Mm -hmm. the limits of. And I appreciate that. I think you see that sort of... um Like, you see the unknown in his films a lot, specifically at the end of most of them. (laughs) Uh,
0: I think the only one we'll talk about today that has, like, a clear ending is
1: Crimson Peak. Yeah, yeah. And even then, it's like, (gasps) will the house rise again? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in, like, in all seriousness, I think that specifically with Pan's Labyrinth, keeping the unknown the unknown Mm -hmm. makes the film that much better because you like who honestly like who are we to know whether or not that was real for her whether or not that was real in the world that she lived in the real world Mm -hmm. uh you know at the end of the day it's what got her through exactly like it's what literally got her through her mother like bleeding out in bed and not having her father and having the captain around Mm -hmm. like it's literally what got her through these insanely awful times and Honestly, like, I don't, as the viewer, I don't think that it's my. Guillermo has made such an incredible story that I just don't see where I fit into it as the viewer for inserting, like, my opinion on whether or not it was real, if that makes sense. No, totally. Because the only
0: nod that he ever gives to, like, this might not actually be real is when she's standing in the labyrinth with her baby brother and she's talking to the fawn. And then you see it from the captain's perspective. And he can't see it. The fawn isn't there, Mm -hmm. but he sees. Ophelia talking to somebody mm-hmm. um so that's the only time in the movie where they go like this might not be real
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh which but even then I think it could just be a matter of children can see it or sh- just she can see it mm-hmm. and adults can't because that you know happens in a or, lot of movies or like
1: purity can see it and like evil cannot exactly because, I mean I feel I feel like if we were looking at it from the point of view of like the child right like her brother who she was carrying in mm-hmm. her arms I'm sure he could probably see the fawn sure being the blob baby that he is but the captain can't no or maybe it's not real but i just don't see how we as the viewer fit into that story because it's not ours and it's it's what it's what got her to the end and i think that if it was real she's where she's supposed to be and if it wasn't real that's fucking sad (laughs) yeah well and i mean also he's very much
0: like all of his movies are in like they're arguing in favor of fantasy and in Mm -hmm. favor of um like you know daydreaming and things like that because the one adult in the fucking movie who believes Ophelia or like believes her uh, to an extent yeah is is Mercedes and Mm -hmm. she I mean I don't think she actually thinks that there's a fawn but she at least like participates in a dialogue with Ophelia about it and makes her Mm -hmm. feel validated and seen yeah and then she becomes like a really big figure for Ophelia in the movie and ultimately is like the only one looking out for her
1: Mm -hmm. and she's and at the end of the day like she unfortunately like this is the real world right she failed her yeah she died yeah you know she she made this like personal internal oath to like keep her safe and take her away and take care of her And she died. And at the end, I I think that that's probably the most tragic part of it all is not just that Ophelia got shot, but Mercedes like literally crying over her dead body, like feeling incredibly like it doesn't matter that everything got you know uh everything ended the way that it did with the war yeah um because i've failed like the the epitome of innocence like this was the thing i was supposed to protect and i couldn't yeah. And the only hope i guess for her is that she's in a better place mm-hmm. um but yeah i just i think that it's so i i love mercedes as a character specifically like like you were saying starting a dialogue with Ophelia and like Talking to her about like, oh, you know, when I was younger, I also believed in fawns and fairies, and uh, you know, m- my mother taught me to never trust a faun, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and and that sort of thing, and and even though you can tell that she really kind of doesn't believe her, yeah, she at least gives her something to hold on to that's tangible. That's like, well, that might not be what I believe, but I remember a time where I did fully believe in it, mm-hmm. and. I can sympathize with that and yeah. I can, and I can relate to that with you and we can talk about it for a second and give you like a, a small sliver of hope in this garbage way. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think he very clearly places value on like validating dreams and validating feelings. You know, the fantastical and feelings, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, which is a really powerful message, even though the movie is fucking sad. It's sad as shit. Yeah.
1: It was a powerful, <laughs> mes- a powerful message. Um, <laughs> let's talk about el capitan <laughs> sure what do you want to talk about uh, that <laughs> fucker oh my god i tried really hard to uh relate to him in any way it was very difficult for me but i feel like i i kind of got it i guess just pride mm-hmm. and that's it <laughs> like like
0: <sighs> i this is i think okay If I were going to critique the film, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think his character would be where I would critique it. Right. Because like I said before, like there is motivation in a sense because like he's in this position and there's some, there's some stuff thrown in about like his father. Right. But I don't think there is quite enough for me to fully understand like why he is as awful as he is. And like, the whole thing about like breaking the clock so that his son knows when he died. When he dies. Like, yeah, well obviously he died, so it doesn't really matter when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um that's the only element of the movie that's like a little muddy for me. However, the movie's not about him. It's not. So therefore so I'm matter. just like, I accept that you're bad and that's it. Yes, I agree. Because that's all that is really needed in order for like Ophelia's story to be uh advanced.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only time that I ever felt any sort of sympathy for him, mm-hmm. because the whole movie I'm just like you're bad, <laughs> and sure. that's it. Uh, was at the end when he asked if like they could tell his child about him, mm-hmm. and they were like your child won't even know your name, like yeah. your child won't even know who you were, like we're not going to tell him anything, and then they like shoot him in the face. Which Guillermo has like a whole thing about people like getting wounded in in the the face. face. Every
0: single one of these movies, I don't know about his other movies, involves a wound to the face. A fatal wound to the face. A fatal
1: wound to the face. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe because like, because you know, vanity is all Yeah, there's so much vanity associated.
0: Yeah, but then I guess that wouldn't really match with uh, Michael Stuhlbarg's character in... Shape of Water, that's his name, right? Michael (laughs) Stolberg. Just making sure. Because he's not like a vain character. He's just a Russian No, but he's a, uh,
1: yeah.
0: Well, I guess it uh, we can go into this more with the Shape of Water, but I guess it would be because he was like posing as something Something else. else. So it's like his facade has been broken. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Okay, fine. Fine, Guillermo.
1: I'll take it. Fine, Guillermo. We will take it. Uh, No, the fawn in this film, I adore. I thought that his character design was so good. I love his horns. I love his face. I mean, I love him. I love his his voice. He's fucking scary. I love his nose. He looks good. I like him. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the fawn was uh, legit frightening. I like
0: him. (laughs) Especially his scary voice.
1: I like his (laughs) voice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just, this is a theme, however, in uh, at least between this movie and crimson peak where it's like these creatures are trying to help you and i was like okay well if they're trying to help me why the fuck are they so terrifying like if you want me to buy into your plan maybe you should look a little nicer
1: <laughs> you know what i think i think it just just to make it more real right i, guess, I think and I, I, I think it's just to make it more real and i guess
0: to like You know, give the main character conflict and to make sure they don't just like trust them right away. I get it. I just don't like looking at it.
1: I think it's not (laughs) even that. I think it's just a matter of like, you know, people having empathy or sympathy or compassion for like things and people and fawns who don't exactly look the prettiest. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) He's not the prettiest fun fun in the bunch. El fauno. El fauno. (laughs) El fauno.
0: oh boy i think you guys should go watch pan's labyrinth it's really good i i mean i'd heard about it for actual years i expected uh the pale man to be in quite a bit more of it but you oh
1: know, my god he's the not pale a, man. He is scary he's he, i think of all the things in the film uh, he is the scariest thing to me how, he looks like the inside of a thumb
0: the thing is is like I, he however is like the easiest fucking thing to avoid <laughs> just don't eat the food you absolute (laughs) idiots don't eat the food and then he won't wake up and you'll be fine like that's not that hard to do and then this bitch Ophelia is like no I must eat (laughs) okay I think that's the other thing I'm mad about of Mm -hmm. all the things on that fucking table for her to decide to cheat and eat she eats a grape.
1: A I fucking like grapes. grapes. No, there was there was way better. There shit was on like that there table. was some like uh, there was like a cake.
0: There was like a honey baked ham, a ham up in- <laughs> with pineapple <laughs> on it. Mm. Yeah, take a bite of that, girlfriend. If you're gonna fucking awaken the pale man and have him come, I mean he doesn't run. He like he like saunters. <laughs> he saunters. <laughs> he like I can't even. He I'm does a to like walk. Do it with my <laughs> with my body, but I. I talked for me to verbalize and he's just like wow <laughs> that's monica's uh noise for when she puts her hands over her eyes
1: <laughs> <"Wah!"> <laughs> we're gonna
0: take a picture of this for the gram okay. i don't like the pale man <laughs> he's scary he looks like like a really 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 old like uncircumcised penis <laughs> is what the pale
1: You know I'm right. Uh, (laughs) And uh stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Is that is that was that uh Guillermo's
0: like, you know, inspo image for this?
1: And that was Pan's Lebrun. In
0: conclusion, that was Pan's. <laughs> we went off on a tangent Wham! there. Oh my god, <laughs> but we made it. Um, go watch it; it's great. I think you should probably watch some of Guillermo's earlier films too. To also, I agree like, to yeah. understand his bridge between like his Mexican cinema and like then him transitioning into US popular cinema. like American yeah. cinema. Um, I
1: haven't seen any of those movies, but I heard they're great. Yeah. So You, you know. know, his Mexican cinnamon and then transitioning into the U.S. cinnamon. <laughs> yep. All it. cinnamons are good cinnamons. <laughs> I think the last thing that I'll say about Pan's Labyrinth is... Okay. so we're not done with it yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I literally have no other thoughts. No other joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay,
0: so now we will move into our second film. Monica.
1: Beware
0: of Crimson Peak. Oh boy! Uh, Okay, so the next movie is Crimson Peak, made in 2015, written by Guillermo del Toro and Matthew Robbins, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Here's a little summary. After marrying the charming and seductive Sir Thomas Sharp, played by Tom Hiddleston, Sir Thomas Sharp,
1: Sir Thomas Sharp.
0: Young Edith, played by Mia Vasharkovska,
1: Mia water, water water water
0: finds herself swept away to his remote gothic mansion in the English hills. Also living there is Lady Lucille, played by Jessica Chastain impeccably so impeccably <laughs> thomas's alluring sister and protector of her family's dark secrets after being haunted by the many ghosts of the house edith tries to decipher the mystery behind their deaths as she comes closer to the truth edith may learn that the true monsters are her new family
1: ooh ooh ooh, 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 boo ooh, it is i the ghost of the crimson peak
0: okay i think i think we've made it to the point in this episode where monica's uh nausea has just transitioned into absolute lunacy (laughs) (laughs) it's okay i love it it's perfect so crimson peak i okay so this was the first movie of our uh, movie schedule that I watched.
1: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and I
0: had to watch it during the day because I'm very afraid of ghosts. During the day. <laughs> Even though the ghosts in this movie are like very unrealistic, they're still like pretty fucking creepy.
1: Okay. Here's the thing about the ghosts in Crimson Peak. The Guillermo ghosts. The Guillermo ghosts. <laughs> the Toro ghosts. Uh-huh. The Del Taco ghosts. Here's the thing. They are not supposed to be scary. Well, they are. Okay. I hate to sure, break it to you. Sure. <laughs> sure, they are. Sure, they are. Yeah. They're not supposed to be like frightening, like jump scare, bullshit, scare. Like, that's not what they're supposed to be. No. This is a gothic romance. Everyone say it with me. Gothic. <laughs> gothic? romance Romance. okay this is not a fucking horror movie i'm so tired of people giving crimson peak a bad fucking rap because it wasn't scary enough well you know what bitch do you know what the fuck gothic romance entails pause while i read the fucking definition
0: well i mean like the movie is literally what her fucking the novel that she's writing in the book is what the fucking movie is. She's like, it's not a ghost story. It's a story with ghosts. Yeah. Which is what the movie is. Like, it's very whimsically scary. It's not a horror movie. Even, I mean, unless you're me and the, even the sight of the very first ghost who you see coming. It's not like it's a jump scare. No. You see her approaching. She saunters She's real fucking ground. creepy. <laughs> I
1: don't like her. <laughs> Gothic romance. Tell me. Flourished in the late 18th and early 19th since... Short for centuries. In England, gothic romances were mysteries. Ooh! Often involving the supernatural and heavily tinged with horror. But it's not horror. It's tinged with horror. Tinged with horror. Tinged! And they were usually set against dark backgrounds of medieval ruins or haunted castles or spooky houses. And that's (laughs) gothic romance people. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. sir <laughs>
0: so yeah so that's what this movie is um and i think that's very very clear which is why i don't understand why people don't like this movie right um uh, I, <laughs> I fucking love this what movie. are your initial thoughts monica
1: my initial thoughts so i went to go see this movie I'm in the theaters with my friend seba as did i not with you and seba <laughs> uh when it came out and i was very excited okay I was the person who was like, This is gonna be so scary. I'm so excited. Uh-huh. It's gonna be a horror film. I think it came out around like spooky times. It was Halloween, yeah. Uh, and it looked incredible. It had Tom Hiddleston in it. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do I this remember shit. The
0: poster had was like all eerie and had different layers of yes. images. And then Mia
1: is like this white ghostly yes. being in the
0: middle with her hair all up. Like all her. everywhere. Yes, yeah, yes.
1: Yeah. So I so I thought I was in for like a thrill ride. Like I sure. was like, I'm here for the horror, I'm here for the ghosts i'm here for the jump scares this is what i'm here for yeah halfway through the movie i totally just changed my fucking viewpoint and enjoyed the, the second half of the movie yeah the way it was fucking meant to mm-hmm. i think that that's what people had to do sort of like going in is is the marketing was very specifically like not 100 like gothic horror like no. or, or gothic romance like it was like very eerie i mean and it's, it's gothic different. but stylized right you know uh and it once you t- like peeled away the layers of expectation mm-hmm. i think that the, it is an incredibly enjoyable and brilliantly told story uh by the hands of guillermo i think that like with this story specifically like no one else could have told it better i loved i loved the device of like having her story be the bigger story yeah like that Real talk, that can get very, very cheesy. <laughs> like that can get very muddy yeah. in films usually. And it was so clear in this one. There was mystery to it. Like I was like, I don't know if it's a hundred percent or if it or if it could be something else or if like or if she, this was like a predetermined story that she had in her mind mm-hmm. because you know her, her i think it was like the ghost of her mom that came back in time to like to, right, <laughs> to went yeah. back to the future it was like right <laughs> after her mom died her ghost appeared to her and told her be of Crimson <laughs> Peak. and so you think was this like predetermined? Yeah. What well, did she, did her mom know that she was going to write this story? Did her mom know that Sir Tommy Sharp was coming? Like what, you know? And I I love the mystery yeah. element of it and I love that we don't 100% know how it happened, but her story and the bigger story got intertwined. Sure. I mean, from
0: from like my viewing experience when I I just like always treated okay, like the ghosts are real. I never like questioned the fantastical element of this movie Jeez. Um, because I think within Gothic horror, like you're supposed to think that the ghosts are pretty fucking real Yeah. or as like as real as they can be. Um, so when her mom was like, beware of Crimson Peak, I was like, okay, yes, her mother knows something we don't know. Like this is, I like we said, destiny comes into play a lot mm-hmm. in his movies. And yes. I think this is one of those times. Um, and I do think it was, you know, like she was destined to end up there. She was destined to break this, like, disgusting family curse. Um, and they tell a lot of this. This Okay, so Guillermo uses color really excellently oh, in all of his movies. Oh, so
1: brilliantly in this This movie, film.
0: especially because each character has, like, their own color mm-hmm. in a sort of way. Yes. And even though the others can be a little, like, they switch off between a few. Mm-hmm. Edith, pretty much, who's Mia Vashakovska- She pretty much stays as like white the whole time or
1: pale, yeah. Any, any pale, like any pale dress, or like it's 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 a color, like LaCroix. She's like a (laughs) look, she walks around with like LaCroix as costumes. It's supposed to be a color, and you and it's advertised as being a color, but there's nothing there, but it's just like (laughs) a like a breath of color, like
0: a breath of color,
1: (laughs) yes, exactly,
0: yeah. And you're supposed to know that she whatever happens like she is going to be some sort of like more pure force in this movie Mm -hmm. or the story she's going to be the one to break this curse whether she dies in the process or not Mm -hmm. because i think by the end you can see that she's kind of like okay i might fucking just die and that might actually happen i might just have to die in order for this to end Um, Because this fucking sucks. (laughs) Because my leg is broken and they've been poisoning me. Because I fell four stories, smacked into a banister, and then fell on the ground.
1: (laughs) Because I only have so much in me. (laughs) My hair is six feet
0: long. and
1: (laughs) And I have a back injury. And not only that. But no one pointed me to a <laughs> mascara wand. So I look like a white sheet. <laughs> I look like a ghost. I could be the next ghost. The ghost of Crimson Peak. <laughs> Played by Mia Walla Walla Walla. <laughs> 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 we broke it. Give <laughs>
0: Aaron had to collect himself.
1: Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so funny. Sometimes our humor is too much for the common mm. man. <laughs> you know who is not too much who's just enough who is just enough tom hiddleston okay i disagree i think he is too much but like in every (laughs) like i like i want it like he's like
0: he's like when you're really really when you've eaten a big meal Mm -hmm. and you're really full but you like know that there's cake in the fridge and you're like i am so full but i'm gonna I'm going to fuck up that cake. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I don't give a shit if I vomit later. <laughs> I I do. <laughs>
1: uh, Tom Hiddleston in this movie. First of all, a moment of silence for his pale booty that we get to see oh. for like... 30 seconds oh in this film when I he never, finally takes her.
0: Like, I never thought I would get to see Tom Hiddleston like thrusting into a woman
1: <laughs> and like squeezing his mm-hmm. butt cheeks as he does so. But I have now. <laughs> and what a gift. Oh it my was. gosh. First of all, Tom Hiddleston plays an incredible villain slash anti hero slash person who we have feelings about. Yes. Like, okay, so.
0: I will circle back to Tom Hiddleston in exactly three seconds. But yes, something I love about this movie. One, two, three. (laughs) Monica, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Something I love about this movie is that like the characters have so much like they're so layered and multidimensional. They're onions. And you're like, okay, like they're doing bad shit. This should be very like black and white for for our -hmm. girl Edith. Mm -hmm. But it's not. There are a lot of like real feelings involved from everyone. I mean, Jessica Chastain's a little bit more like blanket
1: evil. Yeah, that'd be that crazy. <laughs> but
0: even she has like, you know,
1: she's complicated. Reasons. She has reasons. Depth.
0: So I, I really appreciate that it's not like a cut and dry story. Even when fucking, even when they're killing each other and they're all fucking stabbing everyone in the room, you're still going like, but like... If he apologized to her enough, <laughs> could they like maybe
1: get back together?
0: Could they work it out? Could they like go to counseling and figure it is out? Is there like a therapist
1: that can see them both <laughs> work out their issues? Exactly. Um, I think I I love that you said that because every like every <laughs> single human being in this film has a tremendous amount of depth. Depth. <laughs> even the person that we see probably the least, which is the dad. Who, yeah, the like, dad dies. I think in like the first like 20 act. minutes in yeah yeah, yeah um, he gets his fucking head smashed, he gets in. his head smashed oh. into the sink uh i'm not a fan of like body horror but i think that that was done so quickly swiftly and like i it, did look away at like the third blow oh yeah that was crazy you actually you they, see his like, skull. they turn
0: the camera and then you actually see into his skull and you're like
1: you're like no this thanks. gross <laughs> this nasty this is
0: where i take my leave <laughs> no thank
1: you um but because it's jessica chastain's character lady lucille lady or whatever lucille the fuck her name shop she's the one who's like who has the gloved hand and yeah. who's wearing the darkened cloak who smashes mia walla walla walla's dad's face yes. into the sink exactly um and Guillermo has a has a thing about like water and blood yes (laughs) that I love it like runs
0: I think he I think on a certain level he just thinks it looks pretty
1: yeah I I don't think that there's any other depth other than like it just looks sick yeah it just looks sick like uh I mean we'll get to this in the shape of water but like the creature's like blood is very watery mm-hmm. uh and mixed together it looks beautiful yeah and uh, then at the
0: end when sally is like bleeding in the
1: lake and mm-hmm. blah blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah yeah 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 but in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> all of the blood on the floor looks so like swirly and like mixed in with the water and mm-hmm. like and his blood looks incredibly watery because he's in a bath yeah. He's in he's in one of those like old timey like eighteenth century baths, yeah. baths where uh like all the men gather together where to there's, like, all subtile. Yeah. And- it's like gorgeous. <laughs> like, why can't we have that again? Like I wish that was my bathroom. <laughs> mm. Uh and it's like beautiful in a way. And I think I think Guillermo does a really good job of like making death both incredibly gruesome and also strangely like oddly beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think that's just his method of
1: uh, I don't. I don't want to
0: say horror because yeah. not all of his movies are horror, but there is always some sort of like tragic element to a lot of what he does, mm-hmm. and he he finds a way to stylize even that, even that, yeah. And
1: it still looks real and it still feels real. It still mm-hmm. feels gruesome and brute and awful, but you can't help but notice the really pretty blood swirling in the water. Yeah. Like, I, I hope that makes sense. Um, it makes sense to me. I hope that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston's character, yes is just at the end of the day he's just surviving his bitch-ass sister (laughs) that's really what he's doing
0: yeah because i have no doubt that she actually is in love with him like romantically Mm -hmm. i have doubts that he is like as in love with her i think he's just reached a point in his life where he's like well what else am i supposed to do her being his sister right yeah (laughs) We we love a little light consensual
1: incest. Yeah. Uh it really spices things up. It really makes the gothic romance that much more gothic and I romantic. Mean, it takes the the
0: level of terror that these characters are feeling and then just goes, "You know what the fuck
1: else? <laughs> incest." They're fucking too. Um Oh my gosh. What? because that was like a twist. That oh, was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're like, why is he never in bed when she? a big Why wakes does Yeah, like night? why does he never want to like touch her or like be with her? It's yeah. so weird. It's so strange. It's cause he's boning his fucking it's sister. It's because he's boning his sister and his sister wants him all to herself. Mm-hmm. How odd is that? <laughs> yeah, really fucking odd. Oh my god. Poor Mia Walla Walla. Like she her character. I mean Edith. poor poor Tom
0: Hiddleston, I mean his name is also Thomas in the movie. So. I know. <laughs>
1: so Thomas So Thomas shop Uh Edith is incredibly pure and innocent and mm-hmm. her decisions are so stupid. Like, but the thing is you believe them. Yeah. You believe that she would make these decisions that because you think she's an educated woman. She's a smart woman. She would know when something sus and shady is going on. Absolutely not, bitch. When you're in love and your dad just died and you have no one, what are you going to do? Go to the Clay House. That's what the fuck you're going to do? Marry the guy. Marry Sir Thomas Sharp. Go have, have a room next door to his creepy ass fucking sister with her, all her fucking keys mm-hmm. and her weird outfits. That's what the fuck you're going to do. What? why else would you do anything else you got your heart fucking crushed the yeah. first time when he went away so when you got him back you're like let me cling on to this one thing mm-hmm. this one thing that's probably not gonna leave me and what with that other guy the other guy mm-hmm. what was his name
0: uh i don't remember his name but he's played by charlie Hunnam. let's call
1: him charlie <laughs> <laughs> he's a doctor doctor alan mcmichael he's super into edith like yeah. super fucking into edith and he had edith doesn't see him because of course he's like the safe choice of course he's like the familiar choice he's the one who's there who she sees is almost like a brother figure really to like yeah. help help out her dad and help her out and that's kind of that mm-hmm. even though like in the beginning you see like him making advances and asking her to do things with him and she's always like no or sir thomas shop always gets in the way <laughs> yes Correct. Uh, but anyway, in the end, I mean, they get together. So it,
0: really. I mean, I think you're supposed to assume that they do.
1: Uh, I don't know. That's, I don't know that's what actually the part, yeah. in the end. That's the part of, that's iffy to me about the movie is like, who does she end up with? Does that matter? No. And why? Is she, like, it's tragic. She's alone. She's gotta heal first. She's been drinking yeah. poison for
0: weeks Bish and she God. has a horrible back injury terrible you know it's just yeah i do think we have to pivot and talk about the house
1: though Oh my the God. house the house the character of the house the character
0: of the house this is a living breathing house like literally because the, the it's fucking sinking into red clay which is coming up through the floor and through the walls and so the walls is, are just like always bleeding and then there's always, like, snow or dead leaves falling. It's very strange. If I were Edith and my husband was like, welcome home, darling. And I walk into this fucking house, I'd be like,
1: so, we're moving. So, uh, we're selling this property and getting the fuck out of here. Yep, goodbye. Because uh, Sir Thomas Sharp and Lady Lucille are both scammers mm-hmm. they're both Joe and the scammers it's scammers. what they do that's all they fucking do is they go from woman to woman scam the shit out of her marry her get all her fucking money mm-hmm. poison this bitch and then throw her into a fucking vat of red clay oh yeah where her skeleton shakes off of the skin and does a dance in the clay and that's what <laughs> happens
0: which is why all the ghosts are just like red clay creatures some weird
1: demon red guy which while they're not that horrific they're still scary they're pretty scary they just look like they look like haunted red like code red mountain dew <laughs> that's what they look like and i appreciate it
0: you know like i like the style of the ghosts, but if i saw that in my house i'd
1: probably pee myself i would also fucking <laughs> pee myself um what was i gonna say I think that *Crimson Peak* doesn't get enough of uh, enough attention, specifically about like the the, the complexity of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. There are, if you like, stop, close your eyes, and think about it. There are so many fucking layers to this movie. Yeah. There is so much going on. There are so many moving parts, so many. And I think, I think that the script is written brilliantly and weaves everything together. And and obviously, like this the the style of the of the movie is so beautiful and the costumes are gorgeous and like everything's very believable the two worlds as we talked about before with pan's labyrinth the two worlds of like the the red ghosts Mm -hmm. and the and the clay house and the like the quote-unquote like real world yeah of like america and like the streets and the houses and the parties and the piano playing and the whatever that's all melded and meshed together very very well yeah um i don't for a second ever be, like not believe like what's happening or where someone's going the setting changed i i think subtly enough to the uh like the sinking house very well because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a huge like drastic change no it's not like she walks into this
0: house and all of a sudden you see like a giant pool of red clay it's like you no. just see like
1: Cracks. You see cracks. Every every now and again you see like like shadows or like mm-hmm. glimmers or something and like it what I love about this film is it builds. Yeah. Like towards the end, the house is fucking cracked open. All of the red clay is oozing everywhere. It's like the ceiling is completely caved in. Like it's got all of these like um, eccentricities to it yeah. and all of these like all of these damaging points that it's at the point of like essentially no return. Yeah. Um. But I love how subtle it all it all is. At first glance, you walk in and there's yeah, there's like a little baby hole in the ceiling. <laughs> like, sure, well, like, there's it's some very cracks clearly, every now and it's again. It's very
0: clearly like an old decrepit house, but you're not sitting there going like this house is fucked
1: (laughs) like this house is fucking haunted you don't you don't think that not for one second you just think it's fucking broken
0: no and because like the outside is pretty normal too you're not thinking like turn around and run away like you can still get out of here but then there's that really powerful moment where like the blizzard starts oh my god right out it's in the middle of the night she realizes like i have to get the fuck out of here and she's like in her creepy nightgown with the huge sleeves mm-hmm. with her six foot hair yes and <laughs> she's running down the halls and she's like i have to leave and she runs to the giant front doors and throws them open and it's a fucking like crazy blizzard and all of that snow like blasts into her face and you're mm-hmm. like guillermo has built this world for us within a world and this is where now the world is like no longer connected to the outside no now it's by itself and now you stay in that world fucker and you try to survive and if you go outside you're in you're like it's you're literally like snow blind like yeah (laughs) there's just fucking whiteness everywhere and you'll be lost to the elements
1: so like (laughs) good fucking luck oh my gosh and like when she when she wanted to go to the where did she want to go she wanted to go into town to yes, the post office yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and they got snowed in and that was the first time you know <laughs> re-thrusting butt mm-hmm, that's <laughs> but, when they got to bone but that was the first time and honestly like i didn't fully understand it because the more that i saw how like sinister their connections were sir thomas sharp and um lady lucille like yeah. the, the more of their actions like the more of like their motives like started to unravel Mm -hmm. um i didn't think that they were actually gonna bone like i was like they're gonna get to the post office they're gonna get snowed in and nothing's gonna happen and (laughs) then she's gonna feel depressed as fuck but that was a moment where you saw like two people who like loved each other yeah which is very confusing very confusing uh as an audience member and also very believable because Why else would she be there? Well, yeah. And it also makes you go, okay, so this movie can
0: can end a multi like in multiple ways. Oh, definitely. It's not just going to be that everyone fucking dies and Mia Vashakovsky gets to run away. Mm -hmm. Like they might end up together. They Mm -hmm. might be able to take down Lucille. They might just run away. Like, who knows? Who knows? And I think giving it that element of like mystery, like adding mystery even to their relationship not just to whatever the fuck is going on in that scary house
1: mm-hmm.
0: was really really smart and kept people kept people in it, you know?
1: Absolutely. And you know, Lady Lucille, God bless her soul. <laughs> oh man. Uh she killed her fucking brother, killed her baby <laughs> and her brother. Killed her baby, it was born wrong. <laughs> she killed her baby, she killed her she killed her brother she killed her parents she kills her brother by stabbing him through the face which is another <laughs> round two face wound oh yeah uh but this bitch is crazy mm-hmm. like i'm sure that she has some kind of deep dark you know motive like spe- like a yeah. specific place that she went to like what pushed her to kill her fucking parents yeah. uh although all those years ago yeah <laughs> Because uh, you know that Sir Thomas Sharp did not Father kill his was a fucking brute. parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know she's the one who did it, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was just like, bah, bah, ah, bah, 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 bah. like, Yes, sister, whatever you want. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, she's crazy. She is the ultimate scammer. I've never met, I've never yeah, not met, but, but I've never like, seen anyone do that. And
0: even, even then, though, like, when she kills him, she realizes she just killed him. And she, like,
1: regretty breaks spaghetti. down. It's regret. It's,
0: like, okay, you're like, I don't want you to have a fucking incestual, murderous relationship with your brother. But she's so upset, and it makes you really sad. And you're just like, girl, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Why didn't you just take his fucking offer to run away? Like, you, you should have bitch. just let them run away
1: together and you because then that, then he'd be alive at least i know it's true Ugh. Ugh, uh, it's um uh, it's what this is what i'm talking about and this is what you're talking about yes about how fucking layered this movie is yeah so many obstacles so many ways anything could have gone honestly and the fact that each and every character has not just one, not two, not three, but like multiple motivations of why they're doing each thing. Yeah, And like their internal conflicts are all like vast. Like they have so many things going on inside of them, mm-hmm. outside of them, external factors. Like this is a wild roller coaster of gothic romance bullshit. Yeah. Like I love it. I think that all the characters are completely and fully fleshed out and I don't know why anyone would expect any different from, from Guillermo. I just think that, with this movie specifically, I would encourage people to rewatch it, give it a chance, watch it with a different lens, um, and not expect to be like totally horrified but no. instead be blown away by how complex the stories yeah, are Yeah, by the world by the story like we've said it a thousand
0: times A thousand. guillermo is a master world builder that's what he does best and i think a lot of people looked at this and they're like it's just a fucking house like that's not an interesting world it's like yes it is like read into it enough and uh, i don't want it to sound like i'm reprimanding the viewers for not like thinking about what they're watching enough but also like Think about what you're watching. watching.
1: (laughs) Think about the bowels of the house being literal vats of clay. Uh, Yeah. Think about it. Upset tummies are real. (laughs) When you upset the tummies, the oozing starts.
0: (laughs) Monica's not just talking about her own tummy. I'm talking about about the house's tummy.
1: (laughs) Ah, And with that, that is Crimson Peak. We bid you adieu, Crimson Peak.
0: We have so much else to say.
1: It's just there's just it's it's such a complex story. So such complex characters. Well, also when
0: we talk about filmmakers, I have to remind myself that we're analyzing these films. In regard to discussing the filmmaker, mm-hmm. if you just want to fucking talk about *Crimson Peak* with me, I'll talk, talk about, about it *Crimson, Crimson Peak* with you, baby. I'll talk about *Crimson Peak*. But we got to talk about it how it relates to Guillermo as a filmmaker. um will Yeah. So. <laughs> so then that brings us to our last movie, the one, the only 2017's best picture, *The Shape of Water*, and that would be *The Shape of Water*. <laughs> like i said made in 2017 written by guillermo del toro and vanessa taylor directed by guillermo del toro eliza played by sally hawkins is a mute, isolated woman who works as a cleaning lady in a hidden, high-security government laboratory in 1962, Baltimore. Her life changes forever when she discovers the lab's classified secret, a mysterious, scaled creature from South America that lives in a water tank. As Eliza develops a unique bond with her new friend, she soon learns that its fate and very survival lies in her hands
1: oh just kidding this is not
0: a horror film no this is machine. very uh, this movie is so beautiful okay it's so fucking beautiful
1: so man whenever anyone is like monica what should i watch mm-hmm. uh when i want to feel when i want to like see beauty yeah or like or like when i want the epitome of beauty upon me yeah. through my television screen i say to them watch the shape of water because you will be blown away at how beautiful it is the production de- the production design alone yeah is achingly gorgeous yes i have no other words to describe it other than achingly gorgeous it's, it's so beautiful it's lit
0: to look like everything is kind of underwater a little bit so it's all kind of green and a little and like wet shimmery and wet and the fucking score in this movie is- gorgeous oh it's so good and like the soundtrack in general they they chose a lot of really incredible music for this movie
1: i had the immense pleasure of watching this film in the cinerama dome in hollywood Mm -hmm. and when i tell you how utterly beautiful it was Mm-hmm. to watch in like that magnitude of that in like in that scale like it felt like i was it literally felt like i was underwater watching it again on this on like my television screen i felt the exact same way yeah where i was just blown away by how beautiful it all was and how and how like drawn in you feel I, that's really hard for me to say about a lot of different films i very recently watched Mead Somar <laughs> and i watched it and i was like i'm positive that I would have enjoyed this if I watched this in the theater. Watching this on my TV in broad daylight does not feel good. (laughs) This feels dumb. (laughs) This feels stupid. (laughs) I'm unentertained. (laughs) Uh, But it's gorgeous. So the production design is beautiful. It's made to look like you're underwater. It's like all the lights... Mm-hmm. All of, like the all like the street lights are so gorgeous. All like the the neon signs and and like all the like because they live above a movie theater, so you see all the like little lights
0: like peeking up through the floorboards, which gives it that other like watery feeling to mm-hmm. it. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. I do. I hear. So there are some people who like don't love Shape of Water, and I don't understand why. <laughs> like who, Jessica? <laughs> they are just people, Monica. <laughs> and for those people, I think it, one of the critiques i've heard is that like they don't do like guillermo doesn't do his signature world building like Mm. he does in other movies and i'm like that's this this movie is more rooted in reality in like a real setting than a lot of his other movies i think however he does his signature thing of taking a real place and creating another world within that place but also like seamlessly linking them together so that they exist at the same time and so that ch- characters can transition between the two of them i think if you expect every fucking guillermo del toro movie to look like pan's
1: labyrinth <laughs> you're an idiot you're I'm sorry <laughs> um the other thing that i will say about uh, about this movie in relation to like people some people not seeing it as, like, a a world-building movie... Yeah. ...or being a a more, quote-unquote, signature Guillermo del Toro movie. Like, I get it. I get it. I just... It's a a purely original story. Like, it it is completely original in that, like, it only really took inspiration from the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. And other than that, like, all of the other elements in the story are insanely original and purely unique and only comes out of his brain. Well, his and like his writing partner's brain. But like, if you look yeah. at, if you look at a story like Pan's Labyrinth and you think, what is it? This, this is just Alice in Wonderland, but like much darker mm-hmm. and much more mature and honestly told better (laughs) uh so but and a lot of his other movies are based on other stories Mm -hmm. right uh folklore or fairy tales or things that that are that feel incredibly familiar that we we sort of like know the direction that it's going i think in this film like he got to build it from the ground up yeah and he told a completely unique and wonderful story Mm mm-hmm in his way, in his fashion.
0: Yeah, this is something that I get a little frustrated with like viewers sometimes when they look at a movie that is completely created, but like written, directed, entirely created by, a, by in this case Guillermo, but like by a filmmaker in general and then they go, it's not like their other movies, like so that therefore it's not good. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that is a very like selfish viewer perspective to come from to say that a filmmaker's movies have to look and feel and act the way that their former movies have. You're not recognizing that artists have other sides to them. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not the side that you like. Maybe that's not the side that made them famous. But like this movie won fucking best picture and tons of people loved it. So, like, granted, it was. I think it is the more like commercially like digestible of his movies. Mhm. Because you know, it's not as dark. It's funny a lot of the time. It's
1: a lot of it is really lighthearted despite exactly. despite the really um mature themes. Exactly. In this film. But like there is still like validity in that
0: and I think people forget that like it's not like, it's not like Guillermo handed this like idea off to someone else and then it was poorly executed. Not at all. He oversaw the whole fucking thing. It was like, his, it's film. his movie. It so, came out of
1: his brain. I'm sorry if you don't like it. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I think that this film being quote unquote like a more commercially digestible mm-hmm. film, even then, like I think just making a film more accessible to a larger audience doesn't make it any less valid, valid no. or valuable than another like more heady film or Mm-mm. more artsy film it just doesn't make any sense i mean i think with the shape of water it's a very universal story yeah right like it, it's it's an underdog it's an outsider who sees the world differently mm-hmm. who has a different perspective who walks around the world with a different body with a different mindset mm-hmm. and is able to see other things that people can't see and have empathy and compassion for people like them, for other outsiders, which is a pretty universal story. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um. And just because it's more relatable <laughs> than a fawn, <laughs> than pan the fawn, um, I, I don't think that it loses any value or validity in in that central story. I just, I don't see how just because it is a more universal picture. Like, I just don't see how that loses anything. In fact, I think that it made it, it, it drew me in even more. I was so completely, like, blown away by Sally Hawkins' performance. Mm-hmm. The fact that she could emote so much with just her eyes, her her face, her hands. Like, she didn't say anything. And I felt every word. Yeah. It was just, it was beautiful. And I think that that was the entire point. It's like, I'm trying, you know, (laughs) me, Guillermo. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make the film more accessible because this is a story about people who don't feel like they have access to the world. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. This movie is stunning. Obviously, we think that. I also do appreciate that there is, like, like we said before, these humorous elements to the movie, <laughs> and like how each character has their weird like quirks, like, quirks and idiosyncrasies. <laughs> like fucking Sally Hawkins. Like you think she, like other than the fact that she's mute, you think she's just like a normal gal. Mm-hmm. But like she fucking like times her orgasms every morning. <laughs> I think that's so
1: funny with and, one of the egg timers. Which it just egg timer. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I think
0: like like I I mean I haven't. Dove into her character enough to be like, why did he include these things about her, you Mm -hmm. know? But you at least know that, like, she's human. She has desire like anybody else. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know why she's timing her orgasms, but the fact that that he's showing that she orgasms at all is really... really interesting and like shows her as a sexual being when in a lot of other
1: movies like the mute character is not the sexual one not at all I think specifically in re-orgasm via egg timer uh, (laughs) I think that like she's just trying to she has like a life that she's comfortable with, yeah, right. So, like, a lot of she it, her routine, yeah, a lot of it comes out of comfort. So, she's a creature of habit. Every morning, she does the exact same thing. I think that a lot of the times, it's like just for the sake of efficiency, mm-hmm. right? So, she's trying to time her orgasms to also her hard-boiled eggs. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I just, I think that being so comfortable in your routine yeah. and being so comfortable in your own life mm-hmm. uh, brings you. These like quirks that a lot of people don't necessarily understand or appreciate because they don't know your life. Yeah, like I don't know, I, I can't tell you why she wants to like be as efficient as the only possible, <laughs> but she does, and she succeeds at it, and it looks very natural to her. It doesn't feel like dumb or it doesn't feel trivial,
0: and yet she's always running late for work. And yet she's always <laughs> running late for work. <laughs> <laughs> Which just oh god so funny i love octavia spencer's character in this movie too um, she's so brilliant in that role yeah and the thing is as i think there is like some criticism around like having like the black best friend mm-hmm. but then i was reading about it and octavia spencer was like i wanted to be that role so badly i she literally said i would have played a desk if Guillermo <laughs> asked me to <laughs> <laughs> she did it oh my god iconic i can't so like she wanted to be in this movie so badly and she was so good in her role as like because i think you're supposed to realize that like no one is really looking out for sally hawkins's character sally hawkins looks out for everybody else but then like octavia spencer is always like just around the corner being like you good i'm gonna make sure that you like i'm gonna make sure that you get to work on time i'm gonna make sure
1: that like you don't fucking die i love her she's amazing she is i think like the only person who really sees yeah sally hawkins's character other than the fish other than the fish man <laughs> <laughs> because i here's the thing i love that this movie shows eliza sally hawkins's character being so unnoticed a lot of the mm-hmm. times uh, and being the quote unquote listener. And it's yeah. comical. It really is because mm-hmm. she can't talk. So, of course, she's an excellent listener. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they show these scenes of Octavia Spencer's character, like going on and on and on about her husband. And, like, it cuts to different scenes of them cleaning different rooms. Yeah. And it is comical. Like, it is <laughs> hilarious. You're watching this woman talk you know uh Sally Hawkins character's ear off yeah and she's just like shrugging and like mm-hmm. like you you can tell that this bitch is like you know if she could speak she'd be like mm-hmm, yes girl I, I I get it like for sure <laughs> like yes no you're right you're right like yeah uh and which is a universal thing a lot of people have been in situations where someone's talking you're like their ass off and you're like mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm, yeah and it mm-hmm. happens every fucking day for them <laughs> <laughs> um, and they do the same thing with like Giles's character, where he like he has all these wants and needs and desires as a gay man, yeah. a closeted gay Cositive man, gay man. Uh, who is uh, her neighbor, and he talks her fucking ear off about. <laughs> nonsense <laughs> like literally about, like, nonsense old movies and- about old movies about like his like hairline mm-hmm. about about like his life about how he feels weird all the time and uh he like because she like loki has no choice yeah he takes her on these like escapades to go get <laughs> disgusting ass pie yeah because he's in love with the pie shop man because he's in love with the pie shop man and <laughs> Eliza's just like, this is disgusting-ass pie, bitch. Like, I'm not doing this again. (laughs) She signs that? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that this film uses sign language. I love Mm -hmm. that this film is very physical. Like... You don't have to say a lot to understand what the characters are feeling no. or or what they want, right? I think this is a big movie about desire and how you don't necessarily have to speak up, about your desire for people to understand what you want. And that everyone has desire. And that everyone period. has desire. Period, which I I absolutely even fishmen have desire.
0: <laughs> yeah, the fishman has no name but played once again beautifully by Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Um I a lot of people feel weird about the fish sex. I love that it was oh, included in the movie. Oh, my God.
1: When Octavia Spencer's character looks over at Sally Hawkins' character and is like, how did you even? Because obviously, like, a- <laughs> obviously, obviously, Eliza like shows up to work and is like, mehe, mehe, me he," Like, essentially what the equivalent of giggling would be Yeah. Uh if you're not speaking. And Octavia Spencer's character is like, Bitch, like why are you why are you so like giggly basically? Yeah. And she she just looks at her like, "Mm -hmm, I had sex with the fish man (laughs) And Octavia Spencer's like, Really? Like how? Yeah. (laughs) And Sally Hawkins just goes like She does the hand diagram.
0: she shows, like, how his <laughs> penis, I guess, comes out of some orifice. It's like, she put
1: she cups her two hands together and then, like, separates them and then puts her finger through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just so fucking funny. <laughs> it's like,
0: boop. <laughs> yeah, like, a lot of people were like, I hate that she has sex with a fish. And I'm like, I don't, like first of all you do you first of all this is a fantastical movie like please you guys will watch siblings fuck on game of thrones but you can't buy that a woman and a fish have sex in a clearly fantasy film please get a life (laughs) um but yeah like i don't know like that her the love and the desire transcends language that it transcends a human form
1: i was gonna say it transcends species <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay i'm fucking for I'm, it I'm, I'm gonna suspend all of my dispo exactly like i don't
0: care you get yours eliza thank
1: you <laughs> um so richard strickland the character played by michael shannon michael shannon he is a determined man who lives <laughs> a shit life yeah yeah uh, who's essentially, like, he prides himself on being a delivering man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he prides himself on being someone who, like, delivers. He's yeah. like, I will not let you down, period. I will do everything in my power to like honor myself as a man because his whole thing is like manhood yeah
0: like like, him wanting to prove himself has nothing to do with making other people happy it's entirely about it's entirely about his own
1: fucking ego yes it's (laughs) entirely about what his own definition of a man looks like yeah like for example he makes up all these rules about like what a what a quote real man is like for example when he walks into the restroom the first i think the first time that Sally Hawkins' character and Octavia Spencer's character meets the man. Yeah, it's when we meet him. It's when we meet him. Uh, and he's carrying his like big old stick, his, his zap zap stick. Uh, and it's got again with the fucking blood in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got it's got like blood dripping off of it, and it's it's very like watery blood and it looks really pretty. But um he like walks over to the urinals and he first like washes his hands and then pees and then He's about to leave, and Sally Hawkins like tries to hand him a towel, and he's like, "No, bitch! Like, you you can tell what kind of a man a man is by whether or not he washes his hands before he pees, yeah, or before after. or after, and if he does both, he's like, not, not to, a man, not a man, or something." Yeah. <laughs> so he makes up all these like rules about what a man looks like to him, mm-hmm. and and part of it is delivering, right? So his entire goal in this film is to make sure the asset is what they call the creature. <laughs> it's to make sure the asset, the asset is properly examined and mm-hmm. in his tank. Yeah. <laughs> and in his fucking tank. So when this fucker leaves the tank because Eliza and uh what's her face break him out, he goes fucking insane. Yeah. And he slowly starts to like descend into madness because he is so adamant about his entire identity being hinged upon whether or not he can deliver something,
0: yeah, and what he also just fuck. like wants to get the fuck out of Baltimore for whatever reason, I know, and that's his only ticket out is this fish is the fucking it's, it's not killing he, the fucking fish,
1: yeah, it's not that he can like change careers or anything or move or it's not like he sounds like like get a therapist or you know, you know it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um I love I just love the way that Guillermo makes these characters and you understand why they do what they do. Yeah, there's no question. like this man is very specifically doing this because he has a definition of what his identity looks like, mm-hmm. and anything tainting that identity is failure. Anything tainting that identity is wrong it's like it's it it doesn't exist in his world and he tries to avoid it as much as possible he does he does like he says it in the film i do not fail like he does not fail yeah this is like this is going to happen there's nothing in his mind that he thinks will stop him well and as he fails his body literally like starts
0: (laughs) decaying because he has these two these two or three fingers that the fish fucking like bit off and then they reattached them (laughs) and then they're just rotting on his fucking hand and they stink and like as he gets more like mad Worked I guess, up, yeah yeah they rot more and more and more and it's fucking disgusting it's disgusting oh. but i
1: love it i love the connection with the character yeah. and in and at the end of the film or like in the last act when he's uh giving this like long ass this unwarranted monologue uh-huh. to octavia spencer's character where he's like he has like she, he has her pinned up against a wall in her own home. And her fucking husband and her is husband's a piece of shit. Oh my God. Um, And he's like, and the pillars shall fall. And then he breaks his fucking fingers off and yeah. throws them on her carpet. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> what is that? Oh my God. It was so gross. Uh, it, yes. This
0: I, I think this is like, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation on the movies. I do think that some of the... F- like secondary characters in this movie have less layers than in other guillermo movies Mm -hmm. like i do think that michael shannon's character is a little one note yes um his one desire one goal. however i don't really care because that's his purpose yes absolutely (laughs) like he's not the character that is supposed to have layers i don't care about his motivation no um like Michael Stuhlbarg's character who plays the, like the, the the Russian spy. Yes.
1: Uh, Hofstedler. Ho, 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 ho. I think it's a same. small. whatever. Hof. <laughs> the Russian. The Russian. <laughs> um,
0: he he's not like as layered as some of as like Richard Jenkins and Sally Hawkins and mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer. They're not as layered as the main characters or as some of the secondary characters in other guillermo movies. And I think that is an element of criticism for some people. But for me, personally, I don't really give a shit that much. Uh, I also don't give a shit. It's not about them. Or, like, it's, it's not, about it's about them to a certain extent. Like,
1: they they serve their purpose. And then, and then it's done. And then that's it. And you just have to accept that, I think. Period. Yeah. <laughs> people out Period there. The end. <laughs> um, yeah. The production design. The creature design of the creature oh so good i love i love his multiple uh eyelids i love his abs question mark <laughs> so monica wants to fuck the fish i don't <laughs> i don't like scales <laughs> oh and then when he's dying or deteriorating his scales fall off yeah sad boy sad it boy is hours. Really sad.
0: there's a lot of like really beautiful imagery imagery um a lot of like symbolic imagery i think this it's just they did everything right in this movie in my opinion. Um I think obviously like we said before it was it was a Guillermo movie that he very much was like this is a
1: big budget studio movie. But like that's fine. <laughs> I I I think it's great. Um in this film the fish and <laughs> and Eliza have a romantic relationship. Obviously. Uh and I think In the scene where Eliza's, like, feeling rambunctious Mm -hmm. and she, like, floods her bathroom. Yes. uh, And the water leaks down into, like, the movie theater on, Uh like, people's, like, heads and in their mouths. And it's super fucking weird. Um, I love that. I think that it's very fantastical. That would never happen, first of all. That's That's literally not how water works. It's, like, not possible. (laughs) But I love that because they get a moment to themselves where they get to sort of like I guess this is gonna sound weird like they get to explore each other well she gets to kind of be in his world yeah for a minute exactly um and she's like it it, it gets to the point where she doesn't care if she's like breathing or not because she's having such a good time Mm -hmm. uh and the you know in the beginning of the film they talk about how she was an orphan and she her voice box was cut out as a baby. And that's why she has these like three. Conveniently like three. Uh, <laughs> little like, uh, slash, like marks. slash marks. Like slash marks. Like scars on her neck. Um, and the way that it circles back. Is at the end of the film. When she gets shot by Mr. Pillar Man. The fingers boy. The, <laughs> Michael the, Shannon. The puss Perry. Uh, <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, she gets into the water with the fish. Yes. And the fish man. <laughs> Touches her body and like heals her essentially, and then uses his like magic fish power man, yeah, because he is a god to make her slashes on her neck gills so she can breathe underwater. Mm -hmm. How sick is that? (laughs) I mean, pretty fucking
0: sick. Where it's another Pan's Labyrinth scenario where like you're being told by a narrator. Um, in this case, the narrator is Richard Jenkins' character, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was like a really nice touch that, like, I love her that. her kind of best friend was the one telling her story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you're told like we don't really know what actually happened to her. He's like, if she lived, I would have. I like to think that she did, um, and, and that I she... like to think that they're still in love, exactly. But like, you don't know. Obviously, if you're looking at it from a more, more realistic perspective, she just died, and mm-hmm. the fish took her down into the water and that's it and took her away (laughs) yeah and he was like this will be my body let us go back to the amazon (laughs) exactly um but yeah so you're not really you're not really led one way or the other i like to think i like to look at guillermo's movies as like an opportunity to believe in magic as cheesy as that sounds no definitely um and be like for this movie like yes she is just living with a fish Mm -hmm. for this movie
1: her slashes do become gills and she can (laughs) breathe underwater and they go to the amazon they crown her queen they crown him king and she was a big flowy dress and she's a mermaid exactly and that happens and like that because this we didn't talk about this
0: because it's just a whole other fucking point is that like there is a political backdrop to this whole movie oh yeah like there is in a lot of his movies um, and it's showing that like magic and fantasy and love um, can exist at the same time
1: as those other things. Definitely. I mean, think about where this is all set. This is set in a lab, mm-hmm. in a in a stone cold facility, like science facility, yeah, yeah. somewhere where the facts of life overshadow any like sparkle of magic or fantasy like science is science right so like anyone in there would not even remotely believe that she can fall in love with a fish and that the fish has magical powers like they just don't that's not something that they would believe no and it's not something that they would do like their their main motive is to like examine the fish and Mm -hmm. like use it use the asset uh in quote unquote the war <laughs> um which again i don't understand how wars work so i'm well, not they're doing the it, to ask. It's, it's about like the space race so they're yes. trying to
0: like research science to figure out how people could like live on the moon right right
1: uh and they and they think that this fish is like the answer or like yeah. a, at least will lead them to the answer like an answer yeah um and i think with this film the backdrop of the film being in like a laboratory where only facts are accepted basically mm-hmm. and being in the time period that it is and honestly honestly this would happen now but like eliza and octavia spencer's character and richard jenkins's character being able to just walk in and like steal the Fishman, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course they can because none of them are seen no
0: ever because she's mute Octavia Spencer is black, and Richard Jenkins is gay. And well, I mean, it's not like that's something that they can just see. But he's like an old man that no mm-hmm. one cares. No about. one cares
1: for. Absolutely, and he's not particularly handsome or striking. And sure. he's I he love just Richard around. Jenkins. Okay, <laughs> not the pie shop guy. Uh, but yeah, I I love that that was included because I think mm-hmm. that that's not that that is a that is a statement in the movie. That I think a lot of people don't talk about enough is just the fact that you know people are like, well, this none of this, this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, how did no one catch them? Like, how did no one know? Because they're not seen. The yeah. whole point is that they are people who walk you know whose bodies like walk around this world unseen unobserved like uncared for they're not people who you would look twice at and think yeah for sure that woman that black woman that mute woman that gay man like whatever the label may be like that person is not capable of doing something smart or intelligent or pull something off or Again, going back to like uh, characters doing an impossible task, like mm-hmm. they're not capable of that. Sure, I think a lot of a lot of this movie has to do with like desire and determination, mm-hmm. and like what to do when your desire is so great. Like like what what do you do? Like you have a choice to make. What what's it going to be? And sticking to that decision and really going for it. And the impossible task being. More so like an obstacle that they have to go over. Like you could apply that obstacle to anything in life, any other obstacle in life and have it be like a story about like overcoming Mm -hmm. or a story about like having so much desire, you have to do something about it. So I like that.
0: I do too. That's the shape of water.
1: That was the shape of water, which (laughs) the title in and of itself is a beautiful title. Oh, beautiful. The Um, shape of water.
0: And that was Guillermo del Toro.
1: That was Guillermo del Toro
0: um go watch his movies watch his any, early
1: movies any of his movies you just know. watch them. even hellboy watch that one too <laughs> even hellboy Lamo. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: okay so i guess then we'll move on to monica what have you dabbled in
1: okay so y'all know how much i love Binging with Babish, yes, <laughs> he is a brilliant, brilliant man. He is Binging with Babish. If you don't know, is a YouTube channel, a cooking YouTube channel. It's where, uh, sort of like my love for cooking and also films like mesh together are able to like mesh together, mm-hmm. uh, and entertain me. <laughs> so he he basically takes like recipes from uh films or television shows. Uh, he takes like like uh food or like a uh, staple dish from one of those films or television shows and like tries to recreate it like irl mm-hmm. um and he has like a new segment on his show with sola from uh bon appetit mm-hmm. he's just stealing them up because <laughs> Bon Appetit won't fucking pay them and it's called stump sola and it's about it's basically like sola's giving is given challenges uh to see if she can be stumped for example, the first video was making mac and cheese in the 18th century. So she was oh only God. she was only allowed to use tools from the 18th century. That's she amazing. wasn't allowed to like have a recipe. She had to use only materials like the flour and stuff that was available oh at that time. And she succeeded. That's so, amazing. Um, I think it it's such an entertaining. It was a very entertaining video. And like I'm I'm just excited about it in general. Uh, To see what what comes. What comes of Stump Sola. So that that is my dabble. Yay. Um,
0: So two of my most favorite food shows have returned this week. Yes. There is a new uh i get. i want to say season but they don't really like do them by season. they call them collections on netflix it's kind of yeah. weird but there's a new collection of the chef show the chef show on netflix which is very exciting i posted about it on our instagram mm-hmm. if you if you mm-hmm. got that <laughs> um, they filmed it in 2018 though which is kind of like why didn't you put this on sooner but... i know pieces of
1: <laughs> fools i think what it's all cup? i think it's all the <laughs> claymation maybe
0: (laughs) maybe or maybe they just knew that like they wanted to release quite a few of these and so they filmed a ton of them in one go when they had time you know makes sense whatever um so that came back which is very exciting i'm not binging it though because i want to you know i want to have it to watch for a little while of course you do (laughs) and then the newest season of um the great british baking show oh yeah or like i guess the newest to us season because they go all the way the fuck out of order there have been a bunch of seasons um in the uk that they just haven't released to netflix for some reason so the most recent one which is actually like a covid season so they all had to be like isolated together just started and thankfully they're only releasing that like one episode each week so i'm not allowed to binge that one either (laughs) but uh I've been missing both of those shows so much. And so I'm very happy they're back. Incredible.
1: Yeah. I love that for you. Thank you. How exciting.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So now we have a daddy story from yes. the one and only Monica. Uh,
1: I thought that I would bust up. Th- so I've had the story for quite a while. I have, I've had this since the shape of water came out in 2017. Uh, but I wanted to save it for specifically this episode because we're talking about Guillermo and we're talking about Doug, Doug Jones, the main like, he's, like, seven fucking feet tall, and he's the lankiest person I've ever seen in my <laughs> he's life. He's
0: like if Jack Skellington were real.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but anyway, my story is, by the time that I met Doug Jones, uh, For uh, just to sort of set the scene for everyone, uh, it was, like, the night that The Shape of Water came out. So it was the premiere of The Shape of Water that it came out to, like, the, the masses, I guess. Uh, and my now husband then boyfriend at the time were going to watch it at the Cinerama Dome for like the premiere for like the midnight premiere. So like we went to like a midnight showing of it. Uh, And it was, it was a gorgeous film. Uh, Obviously it like moved me to tears. It was a fantastic experience. I love the Cinerama Dome. And when we got outside, we saw uh, two people that I freaked out over. I saw Guillermo Standing out in the middle of <laughs> a bunch of Mexican people <laughs> on fucking Hollywood Boulevard on Hollywood Boule- Boulevard, right?
0: Is on Sunset? Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's on Sunset. Never mind. It's on Sunset.
1: <laughs> And he was talking to like just a group of people. And he was like, he was like, guys, guys, like, I need to go to bed. Like, it's time for me to leave now. Like, comrades, please. Uh, And he like walked away. So I only really caught like the back of his head Mm -hmm. as he was walking away. Uh, But that was really great. And then I turn around after he leaves and I see the tallest man I've ever seen in my entire life. I see Doug Jones and he's standing (laughs) on the corner by himself holding his tan jacket like over his <laughs> forearm and he's just he, look, he just looks like he's waiting he's like looking around and i was so nervous to like reach up and like grab his sleeve and be like i know you uh but um no one was talking to him i think no one really knew who he was uh or like his his connection to the film it's so, like i like what Keep in mind, I'm five two. I'm very, very short. Yeah. So, like, I like waddled up to the man, and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> Mr. Jones, <laughs> Mr. Jones. I know you. And I'm a 6'4", fan. He's actually. He's so, so tall. You know. I, I'm a fan, and I just, I just want to let you know, I like your work. <laughs> and he was like. Oh, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember he said, excellent. So like, he was just so positive about it. He was like, excellent. Uh, And he was like, shall we take a picture? And uh, my now husband pulled out my phone and like took a picture of us. And so there was this picture that exists in the world of Doug Jones who stood right next to me and then slithered his arms over me like a (laughs) lanky, like a lanky, lanky man. And he's holding me tight and we're looking right into the camera and we are wishing the world a happy day. <laughs> and that is all I have to say. What an amazing story. We'll post the photo on uh, Instagram.
0: Yeah. I'm going to post that um, right when the episode comes out. Incredible! Hell yeah. So that's it for this episode. That's My all, friends. y'all. That's all, folks. Uh, as always, you know, rate us, subscribe, follow us send us your daddies send mm-hmm. us a
1: question we have a website now oh yes we have a website we, we have, have a web- website <laughs> you want to go on it you want to click on it you want to read it you want to be it we have a website go
0: go you check can it out submit things on there you can read little bios of me and monica if you're uh you know one of the like 10 listeners who don't know us in <laughs>
1: Uh, but (laughs) the website is johnfavrosmydaddy.com so go visit it we'll link it in our bio Uh, and we're very proud of it Yeah, (laughs) it took us a while to figure out if we wanted one or not so but uh, now we have one yay yay go check it out go to our website and as always don't don't sue us daddy Daddy Favro we'll see you later goodbye I love you love you goodbye friends